up, everybody? You're listening to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. So on this particular episode, I sit with an individual who is a transplant from the Virgin Islands uh, and to the mainland um, later on in life. So she spent the, the adolescence and, you know, uh, learning years in the Virgin Islands and then coming to the mainland and experiencing life there. Um, we sat down and we had a really, really lengthy discussion regarding that transition for her where she is now. Um, she's a uh, organizer at the Womanist Working Collective. Um, what it means to be a womanist, the moniker that comes with that, um, and just creating a community that is about building people up, that's about your emotional intelligence, that's about overcoming some of the obstacles that are in place in the woman community and in the black community. Um, I think it's a really, really important topic to have a conversation around, um, not just if you're a woman, not just if you're black, but how you can be a participant in the success of anyone's life and how they can overcome some of the obstacles that they face, acknowledge some of the uh, obstacles that's in their way, um, and recognizing the privilege that they have because we, we all do have small privileges, no matter how small they are, no matter how big they are, we all have them. So using those privileges to catapult yourself to that next level. It's a really great conversation. Uh, Johanna James is coming up. All right, I'm sitting with uh, Johanna from Women's Working Collective. The Womanist. The Womanist Working Collective. Cool. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. What what got you started in this work? What's got you started with... uh, this collective, uh-huh. um, where are you from? Uh-huh. All the I'm things, sure right? The <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll leave, I'll give the floor to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so, womanist working collective, I felt like before I knew what a womanist was, I was practicing womanism. And I think that's largely based in the culture that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I am from the Virgin Islands, okay. very specifically St. Croix, Virgin Islands. I've never been to St. Croix. Mm, I've been to out. a couple of islands, but not St. Croix. Yeah, so That's the, the, the most yeah, thing. it's beautiful, and not just from my perspective, but <laughs> the thing about St. Croix, it's a melting pot of all the other Caribbean mm. islands. Mm. So I think that gives it a unique flavor. And um, that flavor is not only in its food, but it definitely in its people and sort of the way like I was raised and we grew up. You, what brought you here from uh, St. Croix? Mm, the, the story that, you know, there's better out there and especially yeah. um, better in America. So I, ver- I specifically came to the United States, although it's the U.S. Virgin Islands, I came to the mainland Um, For school, like a lot of people, I wanted to go to college, and I felt at the time that um, being in the mainland and going to school there would give me benefits and privileges that I would not have um, in the Virgin Islands. I I feel like there is a... um, The mainland, or even just if you're not an American citizen, Mm -hmm. anyone that is a transplant to America has a very particular view on what it's like living here. What was what was your view um, before you got here? Uh-huh. And then was that challenged in any way? Did it fit what you thought it would be? What was that like? Oh my God, 
challenged is not even the word. I think I always liken it to, you know, reading something and experiencing something are two different things. Very even though I've seen it on television and, oh my God, the Americans are so this and they're so that. And I wanted that. I'm not going to lie. You know, we have a um, university in the Virgin Islands two actually. I was like, I don't want to go there. I want to experience something different. So I came here with the expect, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but um, I always say when I came to, and shout out Morgan State University where I got my bachelor's degree from, I did not spend a large portion of my time studying scholastics. I was studying the people mm. because I was trying to fit in. I was like, oh, my God, they're black, but they're not really black. Different types of black. So that was something I, again, because the Virgin Islands, specifically St. Croix, is a melting pot of black people. I was like, oh, I know all the things to know about black people. Interacting with black Americans, people from um, continental Africa, mm -hmm. people from even other areas of the world. I was like, oh my God, there's still so much to learn about people. So what you're saying is, is all black people ain't the same. We're not the same. <laughs> even black people think black people are the same. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I have l I learned at 17 years old, like, nah, we very different. So what, um, you, you, you transplant here, uh -huh. you're trying to figure out how you fit into this melting pot. Mm. Where, where did you find yourself once you, were you able to, were you ever able to figure that out? Where you kind of fit in? What, what was that coming of moment like for you once Good you question. started to get in there? I, um... I think that in the last year or two, I've realized that maybe there is no such thing as fitting in mm. and sort of being okay with that. And also now trying to reimagine what my life will be like as someone who will have to create my own reality because I don't sort of fit into any one niche. That, I think that's severely important, um, not just I mean, obviously, for anyone who's transplant here, but just anyone in general, you uh -huh. know, just trying to fit into a particular box and yeah. trying to find your own group to fit in, kind of, you know, as people like to say, make your own lane. Um, yeah. You went to Morgan State? Yes. What did you study? Uh, biology. How? Yeah. How? So, all right. So, you, you, you studied biology yeah. at Morgan State, and uh -huh. now you are a womanist yeah and so Go so, so first of all a, yeah um so i love the very simple definition of a womanist it's a, a anyone can be a womanist male or female we don't and people are in non-binary folks as well and I, that's what i specifically love about the womanist working collective i think that we are we are geared towards people who share a specific viewpoint, and that viewpoint in base is in is based in the fact that black women specifically are the most oppressed, and if we are able to liberate black women, by definition, everyone else will get free, mm. right? And so I have realized that our, my culture in the Caribbean was based in that. Women did things very specifically, and women ran the community. And I remember speaking to a friend of mine during the previous elections, and she being heartbroken that a woman was an elected president. But in 1981, when I was born, in the island I was born in, Dominica, we had already had our first female prime minister. Mm. So having and seeing women shape the culture is something that I was used to. And 
the sort of oppression that it no longer was um, underlined. I think when I first came to um, the mainland, it seemed underlined, but in years it just became like oppressive. It was no longer just like, you know, subvertive or undertones. It was like, you know, glass ceilings were being, I was hitting against glass ceilings and I couldn't figure out why. I couldn't figure out if it was because I was a woman, if I it, it was because I was black, but there was that oppressive um, feeling here and it just came to a head with this past um, election and because of the political climate that we're sort of in now. I see. So, I mean, from your perspective, the, there was no, the world was open to you. Yeah. From from where you're coming from and then you you come into this environment in the mainland and it's, um, you know. Yeah, I was told, yeah, I was told that I could do whatever and then I had never encountered, I remember I always joke with one of my friends, you know, anytime I see my former principal, we have some words because he literally (laughs) told me the sky, our class, um, our class motto was, um, like shining stars, like shining stars, we shine, something to that effect because we were told we could reach for anything and it was, if we worked hard enough and if we studied, if we did the things, it was in our grasp and me, I did the things and I had never uh, and then along the way of course I had people helping me I think like that's so important to um, point out I always not only ingratiated my pe- myself but because of who I was and because I was part of this community people helped me and then I came into an environment where I was like okay I have to work doubly hard to be um, to ingratiate myself to these people and it didn't matter mm-hmm. I was baking cakes I was doing all the things just so you could help me with my science my science work and I was like no because you don't look like me I don't feel like I should help you wow that that's an interesting perspective do you think that that it was a failure of um, coming into this environment where the sky is no longer the limits. Mm-hmm. Is that a failure on? You know, you say you you want to you got you got some hands to you got some words with your principal. Yeah, yeah. Mr. VLA him to to show like what the world really was no. or a failure on the mainland and it's like yo y'all are like 50 yeah. years behind y'all are more than 50 years behind <laughs> and although I have words for Mr. Vielli I would not be the person I was if people told me mm-hmm. there were limits gotcha. I appreciate because listen white people aren't being told there are limits Asian people aren't being told there are limits no one else is being told that they have the specific limits that are being put on black people if we want to be 100% honest I I um kind of going off topic a little bit i i always have this conversation with people about how um white people feel as though that they can touch your hair listen and i i equate that to them being told not being told that they can't do things you know if you are not uh ever told that you can't go there you can't build there you can't yeah they take it by force you know something simple as just touching your hair is like normal yeah i'll like give people were like yo that's like personal space that's that's a bit much back off yeah i um recently i was talking to my sister and she said oh my god we have to go apologize to this white lady because she touched their dog simba and simba was it was kind of aggravated because the lady had on a coat and the coat was bending his tail so he nipped her and I was like, why are you apologizing to this lady? She should have respected his um, boundaries. Right. And furthermore, tell her, 
to tell her ancestors to respect our, our boundaries as well. <laughs> and we LOL, but low-key, I was dead serious. I was like, it's a thing of no boundaries. Right, right. Uh, so what? at what point did you decide that a womanist was something that you aspire to be and getting involved with this collective? Because like you said, you study biology. Yeah. That's a that's not yeah. you know that's a transcendent yeah. uh, a transition that um you know doesn't make sense on paper at least. Yeah. And it's a transition I am still trying to like bridge. But for me, I I always tell the story of I was sitting at work um and looking up a patient's um diagnosis and the diagnosis said failure to thrive and I was mm. like light bulb because I was like, that's me. On paper, I'm doing well. I have the good job. I have, you know, I, I finished this degree as hard as it was to finish. And, um, but I'm not happy. I am fundamentally not happy. And it shows in the fact that I go come to work, I do my work, I go home and I lay in the bed until it's the very last minute to go back to work. Right. I had no life. And so I decided, because again, of my background, I decided, listen, you can't just accept this. You can't just accept that this is how it's supposed to be because you know better. Right. I see other people living full lives and that's what I aspire to live. And so I went on a search. I literally went on a search looking for people and organizations to um, that aspire to the same thing that I aspire to. And in finding um, the Womanist Working Collective, what I loved about them is they gave me the language. I knew what I was feeling. I didn't necessarily have the words to express it. So that's why I say like to all the young men and women out there who are um, gender studies majors and who are sociology majors and who are African American studies majors. That's amazing. I didn't think, and that's where I guess the ceiling was in my own community. I they feel like you have to be a doctor, lawyer, mm. dentist, one of those things you have to, to have. To a yes, status. and again, that's steeped in white supremacy. If you ask me, I need to be learning about myself. So I think like because I have this background in research, I am now trying to turn that research inward onto myself and my people. I feel like there's a number of people that are listening that hear womanist, mm -hmm. but hear feminist. Mm, I like that. Is there a difference? A huge and difference. Is that a, is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? I think feminist gets a negative moniker a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily think it belongs there, but what, what's your take? So I am... Um, will quote Alice Walker where she says um, feminist is to the color lavender as womanist is to the color purple and I may have switched it mm. but what she means is that feminism is under the umbrella of womanism and feminism um, has more of a political ideology attached to it and why I never and you know I think two things one white people co white women specifically co-opted that and in the, especially during the suffrage time when they wanted to equate themselves to men they wanted equal pay equal all of that but that's great but womanism transcends that womanism is just in the way we move in the way we live our lives in the way that we want to exist as people and letting us do that I remember very specifically as a kid uh, my I would always tell my niece you're so womanish 
That's a thing <laughs> in the islands. You womanish, my son. What, what does that mean? But to me, you just act like with all this extraness, you have all this <laughs> flavor, all the for a little girl. Where are you going with all this hip movement <laughs> and all this neck rolling? And why are you into lip gloss at the age of two? But that's her. She gets to be herself. She hasn't learned as yet that people put you in boxes and this is how she wants to express herself and I think that's womanism I think also a big thing with womanism it isn't based in any one ideology it isn't based in a specific pedagogy as feminism is it isn't based in um, I think a lot of time feminism is for the elites those who've gone to college those who studied it Mm -hmm. and I think with womanism it's for the everyday people and that's what I love about womanism Do you find that people um, aren't willing to have these kind of topics in public? Because just like you, you know, you you mentioned that feminist is for the intellectual elites, and I feel like in some space, anything political tends to be for those intellectual elites, and you can only have those conversations in very small and particular circles. Do you feel like that's the case when it comes to being a womanist? and having the conversations that you do within your collective outside of your organization. So my co-organizer is big on, you need to know this, you need to know this. Here's this article on this. Here's this paper on this. And that's great. But I have taken it upon myself to show womanism. My thing is big on community. Mm-hmm. And I had a light bulb moment. I remember sending out a, a you know, a beginning of the year letter to the collective talking about we haven't really practiced community and yeah da da. And then after I sent it out, I realized I have to show community because a lot of times we want people to do something but they don't know how to do it or they don't know in the way we want them Mm -hmm. to do it or just showing them something different you know the way people practice community is very different from how I was raised in community and if I want them to practice it differently then I sort of have to show that and I think like that's the difference again with womanism why we as a collective we um, have sort of striated ourselves and our tribe members to be able to have these sort of conversations need to know the background I want to go out and I want to do womanism womanism is an action word in my opinion I want to go out and I want to have coffee with this person I want to go and help this person organize their house because they're a little under the weather I want to have um, go to brunch with this other person I want to cook with this other person I want to go and sit down in the park and pretend to skate when I don't know the first thing about (laughs) skating but that sort of womanism is practicing this sort of community and that's really what um, I, I espouse to at this point. How um, how long has the collective been up and running? Yikes! March makes four years, nice. and I believe I've been a member for three years. Very I may nice. be yes. So yeah, I um, we've been going strong. I think we have been getting a lot of recognition in the community. I think that we have been working specifically on self care. And we want to move, we've moved into philanthropy. And we also want to have this education piece as well. We think that it's very important. I I think that's a a really big thing to focus on when it comes to the education piece of it. Because, like I said, a lot of people feel as though they can't partake into these conversations because they aren't among the elites. They don't feel intelligent enough. They don't feel informed enough. They don't feel like they can express themselves in the same way. Mm -hmm. And it limits 
the access that they have to some of these social issues, some of these womanist issues and, and conversations to take partake in, how does that, like, how do you overcome the getting people to just, like, open up? It's okay. You yeah. can, your opinion is your opinion. Yeah. It's never wrong. It's just your opinion. I Share think it. the word that comes to my mind is showing grace, right? Mm-hmm. I think both having grace for myself and realizing that I come, I have a very particular um, viewpoint that isn't everyone else's viewpoint, mm-hmm. and also in in and also in being humble when I approach people and letting them know that listen, this is what where how we are right now because everyone else thinks oh let's just leave that to a particular set of people but one small particular set of people shouldn't be governing for everyone else right so a lot of times I ask them just very simple questions how is your day going how are you doing so what's going on in your life right now having those community discussions and that's one of the things that I think our co-organizer did well around the time of the Trayvon Martin Mm -hmm. incident and that's what really brought me in she just had a bunch of community um, events where people got to come and share what was on their mind I know specifically for me I couldn't say anything while I was um I was at the time doing my uh, fellowship in Atlantic City, mm-hmm. and I was the only black person um, in my lab. And I remember very specifically sitting um, during lunchtime and just like saying, Johanna, do not start crying again. Because I'd already gone to the bathroom like three times just to like let go of tears. Right. But I needed that space and I needed that grace. So when I came and I shed the tears, it wasn't like I didn't feel a sort of shame around crying or shame around my brokenness and I think like that's what a lot of people feel they feel a lot of shame in their isolation and so they further isolate themselves and that's no way to have community you you said that one of the biggest focuses right now for the collective is education mm-hmm. how is uh, how's that being approached I uh, we have an inside out approach I think for us we do a lot of we facilitate a lot of workshops but we have a core group called the tribe and we want them to learn more about womanism and we want them to know about some of the first people who so from of the first people who we considered um womanists speaking of such we are having to um on um march i don't know what date it is march 6 we're having um a viewing of James Baldwin, who we consider a womanist. And we want to talk about his views, what makes him a womanist, and do you agree with some of his views? Do you disagree? Where is the commonality? We don't expect to always have the same viewpoint, but what one thing about womanism is in our differences, we still find a way to show grace for each other and still work together. I think that's the most important thing. I I think that's important of being able to have those kind of conversations when you disagree Mm. uh, to kind of further just the major idea and the conversation um, and bringing together some togetherness Mm -hmm. not to use another word twice. (laughs) What um, other than uh, that's what tomorrow yeah, March six. Uh, yeah. What other anything else do you have coming in the pike with the collective? Oh yes, a lot. This is we just came out of hibernation, and I think that that was so important for us to realize that sometimes we need a break, 
and um, realizing that it's okay to rest without quitting. Mm. So we took hibernation in large part because it is cold and no one wants yes. to do anything yes. when it is cold. I don't even um, Yeah, I, I was like, no, I don't want to leave my house. But now that I see the sun once in a while, we're do we this is women's history month, black mm-hmm. women's history month. So we have um each Wednesday at Le- the Lehigh Library, if I'm not mistaken, okay. we have um, a program in there. Um, one of our tribe members, another thing we want to do is we want to give a platform or we want to give help and support to people doing work. We believe that all women and all everyone is capable of doing work, but right now we want to focus on the women doing the work. And so one of our tribe members is also hosting... Um, a sex one-on-one workshop. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important because those are topics that, again, black women um, either are seen as too sexual and because of that have to hide their sexuality, but finding a healthy balance. And I love that this is the work that she is doing. She's very passionate about it. This is her second workshop. And so we're um, supporting her full, full on. That's pretty dope. What time is that? Uh, Um, So she is, uh, it's at CIC, and I don't know what those acronyms stand for. It's (laughs) March 16th, and it's from 1 to 3. Sounds good. Um, I'm definitely going to look into that and hopefully share some of that information. Um, I want to flip back, though, about, you talked about um, the creating that community and essentially being vulnerable Mm -hmm. to to get other people vulnerable Mm -hmm. is that is that a norm is that where you think when it came when you when it took you coming to the mainland Mm -hmm. was something that was severely lacking Mm -hmm. from when you were in the uh yeah i think um there is this barrier And before I thought, oh, it's just a barrier between black men and black women. No, there's a barrier between black women and black women. Hmm. And I think even in our, in my, sometimes I, I know I started out very vulnerable and I had to pull back because it doesn't make sense to be vulnerable and that vulnerability isn't given space. It isn't even acknowledged, and therefore it 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 takes energy out of me right. as an introvert. Even having a wall up is actually a lot easier than breaking down the wall and right. exposing my true feelings, From my true all <laughs> all the things, 100%. right? And so we talk about this emotional intelligence, and we see that that is so lacking. And, I, and you know that's a white word, emotional intelligence, but it's true. Yes. It's something that. I realize that a lot of us don't have. And I get it. If you're worried about paying your bills, you're worried about the mortgage, you're worried about getting food on the table, you're worried about your children, that's not something that you have time to develop. But I want us to make space for that because it's so important. I you, you said so many things and I, I wanna go into so many different directions. <laughs> like I don't even I don't even know where to begin. Um it, but grasping onto that emotional intelligence, uh-huh. um, it, I, I often feel like as a black community, not even just black women, you know, like we, that's where we fail because we, you know, we essentially don't have the time for the emotional intelligence yeah. because we have so many other things that, yeah. are, that are trying to be overcome. 
and trying that's that's that you're challenged with um, from just being economically sound to having actual education to having health care to you know all of these things that are obstacles that other people don't go through it almost like the emotional intelligence has to be put on the back burner until you know you're you're and that makes me sad eq is not even as high as it should be because you've neglected it neglected it for so long but can you one thing i've realized is um I did not handle hitting a lot of the ceilings that I eventually faced because I hadn't worked on my emotional intelligence. And granted, I have, I come from, I I have privilege in that I don't have children. Mm-hmm. I don't have the financial worries. I don't have a lot of the other um, barriers that a lot of black people are facing. But even then, I did not handle it well. Right. My thing was just to work harder. I was not working smarter. So it's like, let me try to ingratiate myself to these people. Let me this, let me that, instead of taking a step back um, and realizing um, the way that I... That first of all, it's not me. It's the system that's sick. But the system was so sick, it was causing me to be sick. I get it. I completely get it. Um, and... I take long pauses sometimes okay. just to just to gather my my lengthy mm-hmm. two minutes <laughs> question that I'm ask you. <laughs> um, but like I, I I truly get it. Um, you know, if you because you weren't as um, far behind and you had some privileges that you know some people in the black community in the mainland did not have, you were able to recover some of your emotional intelligence whereas yeah you know yeah we don't think of being black as and some of the obstacles we have as having a privilege compared to someone in the white community but that does exist for certain black people oh yeah we all come from places of privilege yeah Yeah. we may not all see it but we do it's that that's it's an interesting line of thinking and, uh-huh. and, and thought process that uh-huh. I don't think a lot of people work yeah. themselves into yeah. and understanding. You don't understand um, a lot of people, especially in Philadelphia, never leave Philadelphia, right? Sure. But that means you have your aunt, your cousin, you have a support system that's inherent that someone like me doesn't have. Mm-hmm. It's 2,000 miles away, right. you know? That's a privilege, to at the end of the day be able to because I speak to one of my co-workers I'm like this is a toxic environment but you're doing so well and then in thinking about it I realized she literally sheds that skin at 6 o'clock because she has her husband she has her yes it's tough she has her mom she has a community that sort of insulates her does that mean that she doesn't suffer from um, inequities financially and in other places she sure does but at the end of the day she has that support system pouring into her for me and that's another reason why I said maybe me trying to find a community here isn't the thing for me and I've had to realize that last year I went home four times and I would have gone home more except I got sick and lost all my ETO <laughs> but I realized listen 
there's this thing of trying to create a community here that's great Mm -hmm. but don't neglect the fact that you have an entire community when you go home when I go jogging down the street my third grade algebra teacher still says hi to me and my sixth grade teacher is like hey Johanna how are you doing that's my community and that's something that people here have it's just learning to capitalize on that, I think. And, and acknowledging that that community exists and, and yes. using that community. And for, it's so valuable. It's invaluable. Mm-hmm. I think it's a thing that's different from, I think um, what I've noticed is white people leverage that. Even in me applying for a fellowship I'm now applying for, I realized that, man, I didn't use the, I didn't realize, I thought when they said they wanted references, any references and do would do. I didn't realize at the time that I should have gotten the big wig at this place. And, and that's what white people have. And you believe it or not, that's the same thing that black communities have. They don't leverage it in the same way. And that's what they need to learn to do. I think within the black community, sometimes that's access, mm-hmm. um, especially for those that reach that certain status, uh-huh. are, they withhold it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so valuable, you know. Yeah. So you know, within the white community, that's yeah, it's freely it's, given. It's freely given because it's so common. Yeah, them. yeah. Whereas within the black community, that, My, that yeah. reference is yeah. very valuable. And yeah, it means. You know, that one bad reference I give will tarnish me for the rest of my career. Yeah. As a white person. It's yeah, just it's just like, do, do, do. Yeah. And that's the same thing. Like, and, and that's unfortunate where one black people, one, one black person is viewed by the lot of black people, where white yes. people get to be individuals. Yeah. And oh, that was John. Who cares? It didn't work out, but that has nothing to do with me. Whereas in the black community, it's like, oh my God. So, yes, I get that, but that goes back to creating sustainable. At, um, communities again where we have to have those conversations mm. if we have this conversation hey listen I'm giving this re- first of all um, being comfortable enough to ask that person for a reference right they've made it up there you know that they feel this sort of way being comfortable uh, enough to say hey can I get this reference from you and that person also being honest enough to say that listen there may be an extra pressure on you because you can't it's no longer just your name on the line. It's right. now my name on the line. But that's how we build communities, I believe. I couldn't agree more. Um, Johanna with the Woman's Womanist yes. Working Collective. Let me not mess that up. <laughs> Womanist. Yes. How many of y'all are womanist out there? Um, I think that's a really, really, really engaging organization, collective, and just topic to have conversations around and what it means to be a responsible civic person in society um i have one more question that i ask everyone yes and that is what's your most favorite thing in the world right now Mm, and that changes no it It didn't it changes you know it changes for some people and i remember when that question used to come up it'd be like my niece i love my niece i you know she her smell or whatever even now that she's a whole 13 year old and I already see the womanish ways start to diminish <laughs> again I, I think like she still is my favorite thing person all that in the world that's awesome yes um, thank you Johanna for, thank for you for in. having me uh, it was a pleasure all right, I want to give a very special thanks to Johanna for sitting with me today. Um, I really enjoyed that conversation um, to highlight some really important issues within our communities and how we can uh, start building together and, and overcoming them. 
Um, you can find more of her work at the Womanist Working Collective. I should have plugged her. I should have had her plug her Instagram when I had her on, but that's okay. You can find them on Instagram at the Womanist Working Collective. Uh, I believe their organization is in downtown Philadelphia. So please make sure you guys check them out if you want to learn more. They have a number of events coming up. Um, by the time this episode posts, the event for March 6th will be done. But like she said, I believe it was every Wednesday. Um, so really look into that if you want to get involved, if you want to be engaged, um, or even if it's just not for you, maybe you know someone that is um, a perfect fit, you know, recommend someone, share this information so that a lot of people can find ways to find a community, but build a community for themselves and uh, equip themselves with tools to be successful in life, to be successful with their friends with their family and um maybe even just helping someone else along the way so until next time if you guys have any questions comments uh if you want to add your opinion don't forget you can always email me at realtalk at salazcorner.com don't forget to leave me a review on apple podcasts um that's how a lot of people can see this platform until next time peace y'all